welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition and helps you create a life by design. I'm your host, Cody McBroom, and with me is my co-host, Travis McQueen. Today, we got a Q&A. If you, uh, if you are a regular listener, thank you for being here once again and being subscribed to the channel. Leave us a rating and review if you have not yet, please. Really helps us grow the show. And if you are new to the episodes or the, the show, I should say, um, thank you for showing up and discovering us. Hit the subscribe button if you haven't. Leave us a rating and review if you actually listen to the whole podcast and like it, which we hope you do. Um, yeah, let's jump into some questions, man. <clears throat> All right, awesome. Let's get started here. We got the first one coming from Olivia. It says, when in a deficit, how much can you reduce the weight you lift compared to when you are in a surplus? Is it worth it? Is it worth it to lift he- super heavy since it's hard to gain muscle while in a deficit? She say, how much can you? Reduce. I mean, that's a weird question because... I mean, you can reduce it a lot, but should you? I feel like should you is should be the real question here. Like, should you reduce the weight you're lifting during a deficit? Um, or can you reduce the weight you're lifting during a deficit and still maintain muscle? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, can you? Yeah, you can. But what are you looking to get out of it kind of thing? Um, so, uh, and then at the end, she said, what was the last part of the question? Uh, it says, is it worth it to lift super heavy since it's hard to gain muscle while in a deficit? Um, yes. So the, there's, I mean, there's a few things to cover here. Number one, the, the, can you part, I'm just going to assume like, can you lower the weights you're lifting and still maintain muscle? Yes, you absolutely can. Um, what is primarily going to be, uh, required in order to maintain muscle tissue while being in a deficit and losing body fat is really just the same stimulus that needs to be there in order to build muscle, which really is just, it's obviously we can break it down into mechanical tension, uh, muscle damage is iffy, metabolic, uh, metabolic fatigue or metabolic, um, it wouldn't even be metabolic damage. I'm trying to think of what the uh, mechanical tension, muscle damage and metabolic something that's always been like the, the things, right? The three mechanisms that are required for hypertrophy. But really like what we're looking at here is, either volume or just weight lifted, right? Because when we lift weights, we are creating the mechanical tension needed. Um, If we lift weights with a high volume, we're creating that metabolic effect, which is why higher reps and more volume is more likely a better route for hypertrophy in the first place because you're getting both of those versus if you do a set of five, like, and this is the part people need to remember, you might not be doing as much quote-unquote volume when you do a set of five, but you can't tell me you don't create a lot of mechanical tension yeah. because a lot of times that's where you feel it the most. It's heavy as fuck and you're putting your muscle under a lot of tension. Um, you're just not creating that metabolic waste, which is the metabolites and lactic acid and stuff like that. Um, however, you're still generating a lot of volume because, you know, if you do sets of five with 200 pounds versus sets of 10 with 100 pounds, I mean, at the end of the day, the total weight lifted is still about the same. So all that to say, you kind of just got to do one or the other to maintain muscle tissue during a deficit. So can you lighten the load? 100%. You just have to make up for that with volume. So if you want to go the route of not lifting as heavy, because maybe that's more difficult for you or less enjoyable, then you just have to make sure you're doing enough sets per muscle group per week throughout the week. And if you do that, then you're going to have enough total volume to maintain the muscle tissue that you have. Totally. Um, if you enjoy lifting heavy, then I would say don't lower the weights, do less volume. 
Because at the end of the day, really what's happening here is, is, you know, people would think, well, I have less energy, so I'm not able to lift as heavy. But I could argue, you know, after a, a week of training in a deficit, if you have less energy and you're doing high volumes, you're not going to have enough energy to get through the fucking training session, yeah. you know, with high volumes. So to me, I think everybody has an individual aspect here. I think that certain people, um, cause research is really inconclusive for a while. They actually suggested lowering volume and increasing intensity or keeping intensity where it's at because we, and I usually think that's a pretty good route because number one, we know based on research that you really don't need that much volume in order to maintain muscle. So we could do half the volume and still maintain muscle. If we do half the volume, we'll still have the energy reserves to recover from high intensity. So lifting heavy, that's probably going to allow us to stimulate our nervous system a little bit more so that we can maintain strength as well as muscle tissue. Cause we don't have to do as much to maintain muscle tissue. Right. Um, <clears throat> the other side of it, is that now research is kind of pointing the other way. It's like, no, you should actually make sure you try to maintain volume because that's a greater stimulus for hypertrophy. Uh, so that's probably going to maintain muscle tissue better. Um, I I would even go as far to say, like, if you really get into, and this is where I got, I started getting really into individualization of training because of some of the people I learned from. And, um, you know, a lot of like Christian Thibodeau's neurotyping stuff will go into some of this. But <clears throat> if you look at the differences between um, genetics that, this is where they built the neurotyping system and personality types and all that kind of stuff. But it comes down to like neurotransmitters in the brain and everybody has different levels of these things, meaning that some people do better with low rep power work, low rep strength work. Some people do better with slow and steady, like hypertrophy work. Some people do better with low volume, high volume. I think it can be as individual as that. And we won't be able to know from a study because everybody's going to be different. So what I would say is that number one, do what you enjoy right? No matter what, you can choose either route. We know based on research, either route is going to help you maintain muscle because you don't need to do much to maintain muscle tissue as long as you're having enough protein in the diet and stimulating the muscles, right? Number two, um, do, so do what you enjoy first. Like that's the biggest thing, right? Which one do you enjoy more? Number two, do what you tend to be better at. So for example, I know for a fact, like if I'm at maintenance or in a surplus, if you were like, what kind of training do you think works better for you? Or do you just tend to be more of like a quote unquote natural with, I'm going to say hypertrophy training. I'm going to say higher volume training because I think I'm more slow twitch dominant, meaning that I can grind out a heavy set of eight to 12 pretty easily. I can handle a lot of volume, but like a set of three is brutal for me and my body will stop me. Like I'll do one rep fine, two rep fine, and then boom, I'm done. Because those lower rep fast twitch stuff isn't my, like, it's not my sweet spot. Explosive power development stuff is not my sweet spot. So what would be best for me is probably going to be higher volume, lower intensity. Because I just know that's what I tend to work better with. Um, it's not always what I enjoy, but most of the time it is what I enjoy because I'm better at it. Usually you enjoy what you're good at. Um, so I think it really comes down to those two things. And then obviously you can factor in, like, what do you tend to recover better from? Um, if you feel it more from the high intensity stuff, maybe lean towards lower loads, higher volumes and vice versa. If you feel like the higher volumes really bang you up. Um, usually I would say though, that it, it's, it's, it really just boils down to what you enjoy the most. Yeah. I think you're gonna be fine. I think that you should be trying to lift as heavy as you possibly can, no matter what, from a standpoint of whether you're doing sets of like lower sets and high, uh, lower or lower reps with heavier loads, 
you should be trying to lift as heavy as you can because it's probably going to be lower than if you were at a maintenance or a surplus anyway. So just try. Try to push yourself as hard as you can. And if you're doing sets of 8 to 12 and higher volumes, same thing. Try to lift as heavy as you can for those reps because what we're really after here is your proximity to failure, that reps and reserve, RIR kind of talk, right? Um, and that's what's going to help stimulate those mechanisms of hypertrophy, which is going to help you maintain muscle best. So I like it. Long-winded answer, but um, do what you like. Do what you like it that will you know, help you adhere. Yeah. All right, cool. Let's move on to the second question. We've got one from Hannah. It says, Hey Cody, first of all, I love your guys' podcast and thank you for creating a space where people can find reliable information in a fun way. I am trying to build muscle and looking for the best approach for my current situation. I used to train at a gym five days a week and that will no longer be an option for me. I will be at an army base for the next six to seven months on a strict schedule that does not involve any physical activity during my work day. I have a small window of free time to hit the gym about once or twice a week. The other days I have a a track available to me and that's about it. On top of that, I am required to eat at the army dining facility, which is less than ideal. Ouch. Do you have any tips on how to build muscle while in this environment or would maintenance be better? At this point, I am just trying to stay healthy while here and not decline. Um, first and foremost, thank you for the intro to that. If you can copy and paste that into a review, that would be amazing. <laughs> uh, that's a really cool way of describing the podcast. Uh, safe way that people can get reliable information. It's fun. Fun way. I think she said safe. Environment. Creating a space where you can find reliable oh, information in a fun Creating way. a space. Yeah. There you go. Um, well, when I think of creating a space, I feel like it's like a safe environment to ask you what you want, you know? You'd hope, yeah. Um, okay, so here's what I would do. Uh, number one, I probably would start at maintenance, calories, and focus more on... I mean, I guess it really depends on your long-term goals, but I kind of go at this from two ways. Number one, I would start, uh, both directions, I'd start at maintenance calories, just not trying to diet, not trying to go on a surplus. I think anytime you're trying to build muscle and you're very limited on how often you can train, I just don't think it's very useful to go into a surplus. You're just going to add fat. Um, so my, if I was in this predicament, I wouldn't be focusing on muscle growth. Personally, I would focus on, she said maintenance, but I would focus on strength. You can absolutely build strength with just two days a week. Um, and you can do things on the track that are going to promote better strength because you can do sprints on the track and Mm -hmm. sprints are number one, actually pretty fucking good for building glute and hamstring development, like muscle size, but also you can really work on power development and generating so much force that it carries over a lot to the strength side of things. So I would 100% focus on uh, strength would be me personally. I would step into this and go, I'm going to focus on strength for this period of time. I'm going to focus on hitting maintenance calories. I'm going to lift in the gym twice a week, full body. Um, I'm probably going to be focusing on like two main lifts. I want to get better. So let's say one day I'm doing squat, one day I'm doing bench. And then I have accessory exercises that follow that. Um, really just in that five to 10 rep range. And then the compound lifts are going to be in that like, one to five rep range. So really just like a good solid powerlifting style program. And then I'd be doing sprints on the track one to two days a week. I say one to two days a week because if you don't have good sprint mechanics, sprinting too often can fuck you up. I mean, you can, obviously you can tear a muscle, but um, a lot of times people's hips just get bad. They um, like, can you can mess with your psoas, you're growing and stuff like that. If you have like if your gait is not aligned and you're taking just a slight off step and you're being explosive repetitively, it just not a good thing. Um, if there's a hill nearby, that can actually help a lot because then you don't go into hip extension and that can prevent some of that because you're doing hill sprints. Uh, but 
At least on uh, Upway. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anybody who does hill sprints, don't run down. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a big key. Um, so two days a week of lifting, two days a week of sprinting would be like the go-to. And then the other days you're just walking, like just do low intensity cardio just to move if you want to do something. And then eat maintenance calories. And then once this, – this is how I would do it. I would do that. And then once I started uh, getting – stronger and I felt like I was in a good place, then I might start shifting some of that training into more hypertrophy zones, still doing the sprints, but maybe some of my strength training starts going up in reps, doing more volume and maybe more specialization on certain muscle groups. And then I would just bring my calories up on those days. So you would be in a surplus on those days, hopefully promoting more growth around the training sessions, but you still have the rest of your week at maintenance, doing sprints, staying active. Um, so you're not getting fat, basically. And you just have those two days a week where you're just really trying to push muscle growth. Totally. Um, which would be the two routes I'd go. I'd either just focus on strength, stay around maintenance, or I would have two days a week of that I'm focusing on hypertrophy and I would increase my calories a little bit um, and then just do sprints. And I think that would probably be the best route. I mean, if two days a week of sprints was brutal, I would do one day of sprints and one day of uh, more like steady state aerobic yeah. conditioning. So like, um, like fart licks or something around the track where you're not going 100% because nobody can run a full lap 100%. Or no, far licks are you run the straight and then yes. you jog or walk the corners. Yep. But still, after one sprint, yeah. by the time you get to the other corner, like straight away, you're not sprinting all out. Yeah. Um, so you could easily do that or you can do, isn't there one where you do like, it's like one lap, walk one lap, run one lap. Some kind of Definitely ultra. not sprint, but yeah. But like you, you at a higher pace. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. Um, I was a big track guy. Yeah, me either. But I'm just thinking in soccer, what we do, we did fart licks and we did those ones where you're like in a group and then the person from the back has to sprint to the front. Like a relay? I don't know. Yeah. There's two lanes and you're jogging and then the person in the back has to sprint to the front. Gotcha. And then the next yep, person yep. and you basically, once you finally get to the back line, you sprint again. Yep. Um, I remember that. But all of those are like more moderate intensity. You know, you're not really all out sprint ever. You're just going like as pacing. fast. Yeah, you're just going as fast as you can at the moment. Um, but yeah, that's what I would do. I think uh, anytime you're limited on the gym that much, it's it's important to remember that the greatest stimulation stimulator or predictor of hypertrophy or building muscle is training. It's not eating. So there's no point in going to a surplus if you can't train a lot. This yeah. is why, like, when people have serious muscle growth goals, I personally think that you, you should be training at least four days a week, if not five or six, a lot of times. And it's totally. just, you know, the more advanced you get, obviously, if you're a beginner, you don't need to train four, uh, more than four days a week. But you got to send that signal to grow. There's just yeah. no reason. You know, fat loss is different. Um, and I think there's a, lot of, there's a lot of older strength and conditioning coaches that I respect that have been in the industry a long time that will say all the time, like, they would just promote, like, three days a week. They think it's fine. Um, and I think it's flawed. I think it's inaccurate. Um, Flawed it, or inaccurate? Flawed, I, think it's I, a, I think it's a flawed recommendation. Um, it's hard for me to say it's inaccurate because they're like, well, look at this guy. Yeah. That it yeah, has, yeah, but, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, well, you have proof of one. The, the hard part about that is there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of older strength coaches. Um, and again, I have mad respect for them. I learn a lot from them over the years, but, and I'm not going to name names, but I've, I've seen multiple people do this. And I'm like, yeah, but I feel like you're making recommendations based off what you do which I understand the marketing power behind that. However, you didn't do that for the last 30 years. Like you've been strength training for 20 to 30 years, training four, five, six days a week, doing all this different shit. Yeah. Don't tell me that three days a week built your physique. Three days a week is maintaining your old physique. Hey. You know what I mean? Good point. You know, so like, and even for me, I could train three days a week and maintain this. Yeah. 
I, mean, I want to maintain. I want to grow. Yeah. But when I'm 50, I'm not going to try to grow because I'm going to have squeezed out all the juice of my lemon. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. That doesn't mean 50-year-olds can't build muscle. It means that a 50-year-old who has been training for 35 years, yep. you know, which will be me at maybe even more. No, it'll be about 30 years because, yep. you know, 32 years, 33 years, got started training at like 17, 18 years old. I probably did, you know, at the, but if I'm still training like I am until I'm 50, like I 100% have squeezed out all that I can and I'm just going to maintain and get probably well conditioned, just stay lean all the time. But somebody who has been training for less than 10 years at 50, totally different story, yep. right? Or there's bodybuilders who are still uh, natural bodybuilders that are still squeezing out little bits, but they're squeezing out a little bit and they are training more than three days a week. You know, they're training five or six days a week because they have to. So um, nonetheless, I think the whole reason I'm even going on this tangent is because um, you y- you have to send the signal to grow. Yeah, Eating doesn't do that signal. It just helps you recover from the signal. Totally. Oh. All right, there you go, Hannah. So we will move on to the next one coming from Jess. It says, what are the best amount of reps for warm-up sets? Should vary? Should it vary based on exercise? I thought warm-up sets should be the same amount of reps as working, but just listen to another podcast stating warm-ups more four to eight reps depending. Um, I think I don't think you can give a range. Mm. I think this is an opinion. So this is this is the other thing too, is like stuff like this comes down to uh personal anecdote, personal experience, personal preference, and the art of programming. There's really no Yeah. I mean, even for like if somebody's like how how often should you use supersets? There's no evidence-based answer to that. It's who's the person? What is my style of programming? What are we programming for? You know what I mean? It's just, it's an art. So we can't really say. Uh, the other thing I would say about warm-up sets, um, and just so people know, because when I first heard the question, I thought it was like your general warm-up. Mm-hmm. We're talking like I'm doing back squat for sets of three to five reps today. How many warm-up sets do I do and what are the rep ranges in there, right? Um you know, I think giving a blanket range isn't really that accurate either because if the range of reps doesn't prepare you for what you're about to do, that might not be the best rep range to do it in. Uh, also, too, like, I think that it depends because if my first warm-up set is just the bar, for me, four to eight reps with just the bar is nothing. It's not really doing anything for me. Um, now, if I sit in the hole, I pause, create tension, maybe, but like, I know for me, if I'm doing sets of five on squat, let's say, I will probably do the bar for 15 to 20. Like, I want to actually get some blood flow in my legs, right? Move. Then I might do a set with 25s on each side, 95 pounds. Maybe I would do that for 10 to 15, yep. right? Um, then I might, once I throw the 45s on, then I'm getting closer to that five rep that I want. Um, I think that once, in my opinion, once the load uh, is noticeable on your back, for that or for deadlift if you're pulling for whatever once the 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 load on the bar is noticeable like you're like okay like there's some weight on there now i think that you should start cutting the reps down tremendously um four to eight reps is a it's a good range for sure but my thing is this like for warm-up for a warm-up it's a good range but like i don't think you can my point is i don't think you can say like here's the range because if i'm doing if i'm doing a set of three i'm not going to do four to eight reps until I'm there because I might do a single as a warm up set. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think you should be, your range should be below. Once the load is significant, your range should be below the reps of your sets, your working sets. 
And I've even heard so much as like once you reach like 70% of what your working weight is, that's when you should drop the reps. So for example, if I'm doing squat for sets of three with 300 pounds for easy math, um, this isn't easy math. I don't know what 70% of three is, 300 is, but um, it's like probably 200 pounds ish. Yeah. So let's say 225 because that's two plates on each side. That's easy. Once I get to 225, I'm probably going to be doing sets for one to three. I can do 225 for 10 reps, yeah. but I'm not going to because that's fatiguing. You know, so if I stayed in that four to eight rep range and I'm like, okay, now I'm at 275, I'm not there yet, but I still got to hit at least four because that's my range for warm ups. Now I'm like getting tired in warm ups. Put 275 on the bar and I'm not there yet, I'll do a single. Even though I could do six with it, I'm going to do a single because I can perfect that form and that's enough load for my nervous system to be like there's some fucking weight on here you know um so i don't think you can i I think four to eight is a good generic range for most things and i don't know the context of this recommendation so it could be very similar to me saying four to eight rep range is a good range for most exercises which i would agree with depends because it depends you know but if you're doing a set of 15 uh a warm-up set of four to eight is actually pretty good it follows my recommendations of lowering you know, about half of what you're doing to just get used to feeling the load. Um, I also will add uh, that I think people overdo warm-up sets often. Like I think they, there's some people who recommend doing warm-up sets for everything. So you would do my first exercise is a squat and I do some warm-up sets for it. And then I go to RDL and I do some warm-up sets for it. Then I do a lunge and I do some warm-up sets for it. Then I do a uh, glute ham raise and I do a warm-up sets for it. And it's like anything that I add load to, I'm doing Warm-up sets four, I'm like, that's just fucking overkill. Yeah. After I squat, my legs are warm. I can do anything with my legs. They're warm now. Totally. <laughs> you know, I don't need – the only way I'm doing a – it's not even a warm-up set. It's like I'm ramping up load over the course of my working sets if I'm not sure what weight to lift yet. There we go. But, um, yeah, I've actually it, – it's funny because I've actually shortened my warm-ups and uh, done less warm-up sets as time has gone on. Because I've focused more on quality form and creating tension under the bar, and I haven't had any injuries. So I can still squat, bench, deadlift, heavy, all those things without doing a whole bunch of warm-up sets. Because when I put 135 on the bar, even if I'm going to deadlift 400 pounds, I create as much fucking tension on that bar as I can, and I treat it like it's really heavy. So I can go 135, 225, 315, 405, which is just adding 45s, which is pretty big jumps. But I can do that if I'm treating each rep of each warm set like it's a maximally effective and stimulus rep, right? Totally. Um, because the heavier you go, the more tiring you get, tired you get doing all these warm sets. Um, and same thing with warming up. If you do like a 30-minute dynamic warm-up, you're kind of fucking tired and it's boring. It's like I don't think you need all that. I think you need to focus on better form and range of motion. And if you have issues, you got to do – a lot of warm-ups like if you have a fucked up hip yeah spend some time doing mobility first because you have a bad hip but if you don't have any injuries i think uh you can do overkill on the warm-up do for enough sure. to just keep yourself healthy yeah unless you're doing like a power lifting program or a crossfit program the only reason i say it is because you are potentially lifting like max effort lifts whereas like more like functional strength training and bodybuilding if you're doing higher rep sets you're doing functional exercises I mean, you have to control the movement. You're not going to max loads. Like, you're not going to get hurt doing that, you know? Yeah. So. Totally. That's good. All right. We will move on. We got a next question coming from Caleb Brown. It says, is it possible to teach someone to be a quote-unquote good client? Or are some people just born as good clients? Born as good clients? <laughs> um, 
I think that I think that's a personality trait, not a yeah <laughs> gene. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. That that I mean, I don't know what makes a person actually a good client. I think over the years, you know, being raised a certain way, environment, all that stuff. I'm sure, but point being, um, I think some people are figuratively speaking just born good clients. I think that. They come on board and they're a little more competent. They're a little bit more motivated. They're a little bit more willing um, to accept feedback. They're excited to learn and grow and change. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with your goals, how important those goals are to you. I think it has a lot to do with your environment, has a lot to do with uh, how you were brought up, whether that's from your family or your, your environment, your friends, your school, all that kind of stuff. There's a lot that goes into play. Um, whether you not you played sports, typically people who played sports are better clients only because they see the value of a coach much more. Yep. Um, but there's also the cases or where are disciplined. Yep. There's also cases where people played some sports and they had really bad coaches and it actually makes them resent the coach role and they're actually worse clients. So I think it depends, but usually people who played sports, they don't have a bunch of bad coaches over, over the years. They had like a bad coach, yeah. but they see the contrast and the difference between a good coach and a bad coach. Um, so there's things that make people better clients for sure. Um, but honestly, like I think, and this is, I think a lot of people think of like what makes a good client. They think of um, somebody who adheres, right? And somebody who's motivated. Although those things make the coaching experience better for them and easier for me, I don't think that necessarily makes somebody. Good uh, client? Uh, I mean, it makes somebody a good Definitely. client, but it doesn't make somebody who doesn't have those things a bad client. There you go. Because there's people who hire us because they don't have motivation. Right? They come to us, they're like, I can't stay motivated. I don't know how to be, get motivated. The reason they can't get motivated, I just filmed that thing on this, is because they don't have discipline. Discipline is what actually is, is the fuel source. It's the thing that allows people to keep moving forward and doing the thing. It's because when you don't want to do it, discipline helps you still take action despite not wanting to do it. Motivation gets you excited for a moment. Right? You watch a cool video, you're like, oh yeah, I'm fired up, this is awesome, and then it goes away. And then tomorrow... The YouTuber doesn't upload a motivational video and you're like, fuck, what am I going to do to get motivated today? Well, you're shit out of luck. Might be gone one time. Yeah, I'm sure you can go find another one, but you can't rely on that. Uh, It's a a fuel tank that just drains away the more you watch those videos or read those books or whatever. Discipline is something that's infinite. As you develop it, it is just there. It's a habit. It's a characteristic. It's a trait. So, um, and I think you can teach people that is my point. Like, I think that people come to us when they, they rely too heavily on motivation and they don't have motivation often, so they feel like they're shit out of luck, but they just haven't been given the tools or taught the tools in order to create discipline and willpower. And discipline and willpower will allow you to take action more often and stay more consistent, and then as you stay consistent and take action more often, you're going to get better results, and guess what's really fucking motivating? Results. So as you build discipline and willpower, you get better results. The results motivate yourself. Now you're in this constant loop of using discipline to create motivation for yourself. And it's just this nonstop cycle. Now you've become a good client because I taught you how to create discipline and willpower. Um, And I think that is something you can teach. And I think the, uh, the adherence tool is the same thing. It's like, you're not a bad client because you can't adhere. You just haven't figured out how to adhere yet. You've been given bad diet plans. You've been given boring training programs. You've been given tools that don't help you succeed. And if you don't succeed, you're not going to have a reason to adhere. Why would you adhere to something if every time you do it, your experience sucks? Like you hire a coach, they suck. You go through a diet, that sucks. You do a training program, it's really boring. It doesn't give you any results. You don't get stronger. The gym environment's bad. Like if you keep putting yourself in the wrong situations, you're not going to develop what is required 
or experience what's required in order to build adherence, right? People ask me, how, how do you stay on point? Which is adherence, right? For me, I'm not, I guess I, I, I do have coach. So I'm kind of adhering to them, but with or without a coach, I'm adherent. Yeah. How do I do that? Well, I value what it gives me. The only reason I value what it gives me is because I've seen the results of it. Yeah. I'm more productive. I sleep better. My digestion's great. My energy's good. I'm training hard. I can see the visual changes in my body. Like those things lead to me continuing to do it. But until you get on a plan or a path that is actually going to create results for yourself, I don't think you're going to develop either of those things. And the those are the things that make a good client good. Yeah. But to an extent, honestly, I believe... And I think great coaches could hear this and maybe they don't because I could see people hearing this and being like, oh, I never thought of it that way, but I would agree. I, sometimes the quote unquote bad clients are the good clients. Like the person who doesn't have that stuff is why I do this. Yeah. So if I can give you those things and I can create those things inside you and now you change, I mean, that's a way more impactful experience to me than somebody who's like, I'm spot on. And don't get me wrong. I love when a client is just, they're already crushing it. They're like, I'm super motivated. I'll do anything you say. I track my macros. Here's the last year of history of my diet. It's like, man, you made this really easy for me. But at the same time, do you get the same reward or fulfillment out of it? Yeah. I don't know. Not me because I'm not in this just to take money from people. But. That's a good point. Yeah. You yeah. know. I think there is people out there. There's people out there that cross their fingers and hope they get those clients. Yeah. But I know like all the stories we tell when we're all together at the meetups, it's all about like the crazy people, who, the not crazy people, but the crazy transformations <laughs> there you go. people have. The people who came to us that are like not getting any results, they're not motivated, they hate the way they look, they, they don't want to take progress pictures, they're the, you know what I mean? They're like, this is my last resort, I'm going to give this a try, and now they're like on top of the world, yeah. crushing it. Love it. So... Cool. All right. We we got another one here, guys. We It's coming from Anonymous. It says, I'm currently doing the bull, bulletproof three-day split with the upper body specialization added on. I'm, I'm transitioning from bulk to a cut. Sh do you think I should train uh, – should my training change since my calories are also changing? She's going from a bulk to a cut? Yep. Um, She's doing three-day bulletproof body yep. with one specialization day. Yep. Um, no, unless your program is about to be done. She said she's just finishing up. I'm currently doing bulletproof. No. Nope. Okay. Doesn't say. So no, it doesn't need to, especially because you're just not transitioning. What I would do is like, so like, let's say you're halfway through bulletproof body. It's a 12 week program. You're on week six. You're starting a diet in the next six weeks. You will be totally fine to do the same amount of volume, same amount of intensity. Nothing's changed. If anything, you'll probably still continue to progress and get stronger. During that time, you are going to be able to become more aware and kind of like, quote unquote, read your biofeedback to be able to determine, can I continue training at this level of intensity and volume while being in a deficit? If the answer is yes, great. You didn't need to change anything. If the answer is no, it's time to shift. And what I would do is take the specialization program off mm. and just do a three-day plan. Now, what I probably would guess to happen is that you would be totally fine to still do four days a week. Um, there's just not that many people who can't train four days a week, especially if you're already doing bulletproof bodybuilding and stuff. If you're in the app, I know you're not a brand new beginner. And so I think you'll be totally fine to continue doing four days a week. The thing I would do differently is if you're going on a cut, there's no point in doing a specialization program because you're not trying to build muscle in any one area. I would just shift to a more balanced program like power building or four day bulletproof bodybuilding, something like that. Um, 
and just stop trying to have like a three-day plan with a specialization where you're just focusing on one group. Just balanced volume across the week, four days a week, and just continue the cut. Yeah. Like I, I think it'll be fine. I don't think um, – I think the best reason to do a three-day plan is for somebody, A, who doesn't have the time to be in the gym often enough. B, you don't like going to the gym, so you want to do the minimum effective dose. Um, or C, you're brand new to lifting. Then, of course, there's no reason to do a ton of volume because you don't need it. Just do three days a week. Um, but everybody who's an intermediate or above that – does have the time to be in the gym four days a week or more, I think you should be doing a four-day-a-week plan. Yeah. Four-day-a-week is pretty universal, up or lower. Five days for some people, six for very few. That's kind of like the – and that's for cut, maintaining, or bulking. Yeah. doesn't really matter. Totally. So, yeah. Cool. Dope. That's it. Cool. Well, as always, guys, uh, check out all the free stuff we have on the website, tailoredcoachingmethod.com. Um, that is also where you will find our coaching. So if you, if any of these things hit home with you or you are just struggling, you need help one-on-one and you want a tailored coach to help you get there, tailoredcoachingmethod.com slash online dash coaching. That is in the description of this podcast, as well as a link to all of our free guides that you can download instantly, blogs, video, podcasts uh, that you're already listening to, Instagram, all that kind of shit is in the description. Um, so as always, guys, we appreciate you for listening and we'll catch you next time.